Have you ever been traveling overseas, logged into your favorite streaming service, and realized ah, your favorite show isn't there? Different countries have different streaming rights, so just because you can watch Breaking Bad at home doesn't mean you can watch it overseas. Well, with Surfshark, you can. Surfshark is the VPN that I use every single day. I simply choose from one of their 3,200 plus servers in 100 countries and get back to watching the favourite shows that I love. Use the link in the description or the episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 per month on a two-year plan and get back to watching the shows that you love. With continual development in technology, hackers and cyber criminals are getting better and better at installing viruses and hacking your electronic devices. We've all had antivirus software, but your run-of-the-mill software just isn't good enough anymore. With Surfshark Antivirus, not only will you have antivirus scans and real-time virus protection, but you'll also have access to a VPN. You'll be protected from targeted ads and tracking. You'll be notified if your data gets leaked by data brokers. And most importantly, it's incredibly easy to set up and use. If you feel like your online protection should be better, use the link in the description and episode notes to get 76% off Surfshark Antivirus today and feel safe every day on your devices. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger Chapter 12 the cab I had was a really old one that smelled like somebody just tossed his cookies in it. I always get those vomity kind of cabs if I go anywhere at night. What made it worse, it was so quiet and lonesome out, even though it was Saturday night. I didn't hardly see anybody on the street. Now and then you just saw a man and a girl crossing the street with their arms around each other's waists and all, or a bunch of hoodlumy looking guys and their dates. All of them laughing like hyenas at something you could bet wasn't even funny. New York's terrible when somebody laughs on the street very late at night. You can hear it for miles. It makes you feel so lonesome and depressed. I kept wishing I could go home and shoot the bull for a while with old Phoebe. But finally, after I was riding for a while, the cab driver and I sort of struck up a conversation. His name was Horwitz, who was a much better guy than the other driver I had. Anyway, I thought he might know about the ducks. Hey, Horwitz, I said. You ever pass the lagoon in Central Park, down by Central Park South? The what? The lagoon. That little lake-like there. Where the ducks are, you know. Yeah, what What about it? Well, you know the ducks that swim around in it, in the springtime and all. Do you know where they happen to go in the wintertime by any chance? Where who goes? The ducks. Do you know by any chance? I mean, does somebody come around in a truck or something and take them away? Or do they fly away by themselves, go south or something? Old Horwitz turned all the way around and looked at me. He was a very impatient type guy. He wasn't a bad guy, though. How the hell should I know? He said. How the hell should I know a stupid thing like that? Well, you shouldn't get sore about it, I said. He was sore about it or something. Who saw? Nobody saw. I stopped having a conversation with him. 
if he was going to get so damn touchy about it. But he started up again himself. He turned all the way around again and said, The fish don't go no place. They stay right where they are, the fish, right in the goddamn lake. The fish? It's different. The fish is different. I'm talking about the ducks, I said. What's different about it? Nothing different about it, Horowitz said. Everything he said, he sounded sore about something. It's tougher for the fish, the winner and all, than it is for the ducks. Use your head for Christ's sakes. I didn't say anything for a minute. Then I said, all right, what do they do, the fish and all, when that whole lake's a solid block of ice, people skating on it and all? Old Horowitz turned around again. What the hell do you mean, what do they do? He yelled at me. They stay right where they are, for Christ's sakes. They can't just ignore the ice. They can't just ignore it. Who's ignoring it? Nobody's ignoring it, Horwitz said. He got so damn excited and all, I was afraid he was going to drive the cab right into a lamppost or something. They live right in the goddamn ice. It's their nature, for Christ's sakes. They get frozen right in one position for the whole winter. Yeah? What do they eat, then? I mean, they're frozen solid. They can't swim around looking for food and all. Their bodies, for Christ's sakes. What's the matter with you? Their bodies, taking nutrition and all, right through their goddamn seaweed and crap that's in the ice. They got their pores open the whole time. That's their nature, for Christ's sakes. See what I mean? He turned way the hell around again to look at me. Oh, I said. I let it drop. I was afraid he was going to crack the damn taxi up or something. Besides, he was such a touchy guy, it wasn't any pleasure discussing anything with him. Would you care to stop off and have a drink with me somewhere? I said. He didn't answer me, though. I guess he was still thinking. I asked him again, though. He was a pretty good guy. Quite amusing and all. I ain't got no time for liquor, bud, he said. How the hell old are you, anyways? Why aren't you at home in bed? I'm not tired. When I got out in front of Ernie's and paid the fare, old Horwitz brought up the fish again. He certainly had it on his mind. Listen, he said. If you was a fish, Mother Nature'd take care of you, wouldn't she? Right? You don't think them fish just die when it gets to winter, do you? No, but you're goddamn right they don't, Horwitz said, and drove off like a bat out of hell. He was about the touchiest guy I ever met. Everything you said made him sore. Even though it was so late, old Ernie's was jam-packed, mostly with prep school jerks and college jerks. Almost every damn school in the world gets out early for Christmas vacation than schools I go to. You could hardly check your coat, it was so crowded. It was pretty quiet, though, because Ernie was playing the piano. It was supposed to be something holy, for God's sakes, when he sat down at the piano. Nobody's that good. About three couples, besides me, were waiting for tables, and they're all shoving and standing on tiptoes to get a look at old Ernie while he played. He had a big damn mirror in front of the piano, with this big spotlight on him so that everybody could watch his face while he played. You couldn't see his fingers while he played, just his big old face. Big deal. I'm not too sure what the name of the song was that he was playing when I came in, but whatever it was, he was really stinking it up. He was putting all these dumb show-offy ripples in the high notes, and a lot of the other very tricky stuff gives me a pain in the ass. You should have heard the crowd, though, when he finished. You would have puked. They went mad. They were exactly the same morons that laugh like hyenas in movies at stuff that isn't funny. 
I swear to God, if I were a piano player or an actor or something and all those dopes thought I was terrific, I'd hate it. I wouldn't even want them to clap for me. People always clap for wrong things. If I were a piano player, I'd play it in the goddamn closet. Anyway, when he was finished and everybody was clapping their heads off, old Ernie turned around on his stool and gave this very phony, humble bow, like as if he was a hell of a humble guy, besides being a terrific piano player. It was very phony. I mean him being such a big snob and all. In a funny way, though, I sort of felt sorry for him when he was finished. I don't even think he knows anymore when he's playing right or not. It isn't all his fault. I partly blame those dopes that clap their heads off. They'd foul up anybody if you gave them a chance. Anyway, it made me feel depressed and lousy again, and I damn near got my coat back and went back to the hotel. But it was too early, I didn't feel much like being alone. They finally got me this stinking table, right up against the wall, behind a goddamn post where you couldn't see anything. It was one of those tiny tables, that if the people at the next table don't get up to let you buy, and they never do, the bastards, you practically have to climb into your chair. I ordered a scotch and soda, which is my favourite drink, next to frozen daiquiris. If you were only around six years old, you could get liquor Ernie's. And the place was so dark and all. Besides, nobody cared how old you were. You could even be a dope fiend, and nobody care. I was surrounded by jerks. I'm not kidding. At this other tiny table, right to my left, practically on top of me, there was this funny-looking guy, and this funny-looking girl. They were around my age, or maybe just a little older. It was funny. You could see they were being careful as hell not to drink up the minimum too fast. I listened to their conversation for a while, because I didn't have anything else to do. He was telling her about some pro football game he'd seen this afternoon. He gave her every single goddamn play in the game. I'm not kidding. He was the most boring guy I'd ever listened to. And you could tell his date wasn't even interested in the goddamn game. But she was even funnier looking than he was, so I guess she had to listen. Real ugly girls have it tough. I feel so sorry for them sometimes. Sometimes I can't even look at them especially if they're with some dopey guy that's telling them all about a goddamn football game. On my right, the conversation was even worse, though. On my right, there was this very Joe Yale-looking guy, in a grey flannel suit, and one of those fitty-looking Tattersall vests. All those Ivy League bastards look alike. My father wants me to go to Yale, or maybe Princeton, but I swear... I wouldn't go to one of those Ivy League colleges if I was dying, for God's sakes. Anyway, this Joe Yale-looking guy had a terrific-looking girl with him. Boy, she was good-looking. But you should have heard the conversation they were having. In the first place, they were both slightly crocked. What he was doing, he was giving her a feel under the table, and at the same time, telling her about some guy in his dorm that had eaten a whole bottle of aspirin and nearly committed suicide. His date kept saying to him, How horrible! Don't, darling. Please, don't. Not there. Imagine giving somebody a feel and telling them about a guy committing suicide at the same time. They killed me. I certainly began to feel like a prize horse's ass, though, sitting there all by myself. It wasn't anything to do except smoke and drink. What I did do, though, I told the waiter to ask Ernie if he'd care to join me for a drink. I told him to tell him I was DB's brother. I don't think he even gave him the message, though. Those bastards never give your message to anybody. 
All of a sudden, this girl came up to me and said, Holden Caulfield? Her name was Lillian Simmons. My brother DB used to go around with her for a while. She had very big knockers. Hi, I said. I tried to get up, naturally, but it was some job getting up in a place like that. She had a Navy officer with her that looked like he had a poker up his ass. How marvelous to see you, old Lillian Simmons said. Strictly a phony. How's your big brother? That's all she really wanted to know. He's fine. He's in Hollywood. In Hollywood? How marvelous! What's he doing? I don't know. Writing? I said. I didn't feel like discussing it. You could tell she thought it was a big deal, his being in Hollywood. Almost everybody does. Mostly people who've never read any of his stories. Drives me crazy, though. How exciting! Old Lillian said. Then, she introduced me to the Navy guy. His name was Commander Blob or something. He was one of those guys that thinks they're being a pansy if they don't break around 40 of your fingers when they shake hands with you. God, I hate that stuff. Are you all alone, baby? Old Lillian asked me. She was blocking up the whole goddamn traffic in the aisle. You could tell she liked to block up a lot of traffic. This waiter was waiting for her to move out of the way, but she didn't even notice him. It was funny. You could tell the waiter didn't like her much. You could tell even the Navy guy didn't like her much, even though he was dating her. And I didn't like her much. Nobody did. You had to feel sort of sorry for her in a way. Don't you have a date, baby? She asked me. I was standing up now, and she didn't even tell me to sit down. She was the type that keeps you standing for hours. Isn't he handsome? She said to the Navy guy. Holden, you're getting handsomer by the minute. The Navy guy told her to come on. He told her they were blocking up the whole aisle. Holden, come join us, old Lillian said. Bring a drink. I was just leaving, I told her. I have to meet somebody. You could tell she was just trying to get in good with me, so that I'd tell old DB about it. Well, you little so-and-so. All right for you. Tell your big brother I hate him when you see him. Then she left. The Navy guy and I told each other we were glad to have met each other, which always kills me. I'm always saying, glad to have met you, to somebody I'm not at all glad I met. If you want to stay alive, you have to say that stuff, though. After I told her I had to meet somebody, I didn't have any choice except to leave. I couldn't even stick around to hear Ernie play something halfway decent. But I certainly wasn't going to sit down at a table with old Lillian Simmons and that Navy guy and be bored to death. So I left. It made me mad, though, when I was getting my coat. People are always ruining things for you. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.